Guys, good Monday afternoon. My name is Jerry Miller, and thank you kindly for joining us on the I Love Seville show. It's great to be with you on a glorious Monday afternoon in downtown Charlottesville. We're about a mile from the uh, John Paul Jones Arena, from Scott Stadium, from the University of Virginia. Did we figure out the actual length, Judah, on the, uh, on the Google map, how far we were from the rotunda? Oh, um... I, I thought it was somewhere between 0.75 and 0.8. Are we on a two-shot, or are you talking are you, without the... Uh, no, I'm, I'm not on here yet. Let's see. Uh, Was it, is it over a mile or less than a mile? Our studio from the Rotunda. Give me just a second. <clears throat> Out of curiosity. We'll talk... Uh, it is, it's definitely over a mile. You looked? Yeah. It no was. way. As the, as the car drives, I believe it was 1.7 miles. No. <clears throat> and That's hard to believe. I'm looking that up right now. As the crow flies, if I remember correctly, it was 1.3 miles. That shocks me. What path did it take? Did it go Pantops to Profit Ridge from Profit Ridge down 29? You're saying it's two miles? It's, what did you, how far did you say it was? Uh, I think the shortest route that it showed was 1.7 miles. From our studio? Yeah. All right, let's see how far, far the uh, John Paul Jones Arena is from our studio. What do you think that is? That's probably going to be... Wow, I'm taken aback by that. All right, so we're about 1.7 miles away. Okay. So we're about 1.7 miles away from the University of Virginia. I'd say that... Would you say the rotunda is the heart of the University of Virginia? Yeah, I think so. I'd say that, right? Yeah. Viewers and listeners, would you agree? Would you give me that? It's the rotunda, or would you say it would be? I wouldn't say it's Scott Stadium. I wouldn't say it's the John Paul Jones Arena. I'd say it's the rotunda. Yeah, the rotunda. Is the lawn, the rotunda. Most recognizable landmark. We're talking Thomas Jefferson today, Monticello, Mickey Tavern, and Jefferson Vineyards. Yeah. Who did not see this coming? The Monticello Foundation outsources employment and hospitality control of Monticello, Jefferson Vineyards, and Mickey Tavern, and they come in and make immediate changes that impact locals in our community? I mean, we had to see all this coming. A, a move like that seems to me like a, a way of washing your hands of something. Uh, it's no longer our problem. It's, it's called creating a gatekeeper. It's like when Superintendent Dr. Matthew Haas of Almore County Public Schools, remember when he said we clearly have a reading problem, reading comprehension, reading retention problem, in particular with students of color mm -hmm. in our elementary schools. I'm going to fix this, but I'm going to fix this by hiring an outside consultant. Someone else's problem. Somebody else's problem to fix. We're going to create buffers between the decision makers and the people actually fixing the problem. So if the you-know-what hits the fan, the consultant catches the flack. If you don't like the solutions, I, I, almost, I see it less as someone being there to catch the flack as a way of saying, look, we've got to do some things that nobody's going to like. So rather than everybody hate us... We're going to hire someone else to do it so you can all hate them. And we're going to go up the eastern seaboard to Pennsylvania to hire the third party. Set the stage for this. We're jumping out of, we're jumping out of order with the headlines, but this tickled my fancy immediately. Set the stage for us on this. Um, so 
With all of the changes going on at uh, at Monticello, they have also been doing some buying. Uh, they bought uh, bought Jefferson Vineyards. They bought. Uh, uh, we talked about the fact that they recently bought Mick, Mickey Tavern, and they had, I believe, announced that everything was going to stay the same. Oh, they they did that. The Thomas Jefferson Foundation did do that, and. Uh, but everything is going to stay the same, except we're now going to put all of the all the food services under a. Uh, I'm not going to. It's not a foreign company, but it's a company from outside of the boundaries of Virginia. So now there is a Pittsburgh-based, uh, I guess, food, hospitality group. Yeah, hospitality group that will be taking control of all of the. All the related Monticello Vineyard. Monticello, Mickey, Mickey Tavern, Jefferson Vineyards, food and beverage, points of sale, staffing, decision making. Yeah. And I, I don't know how much most of the employees know about this, but it seems as though one particular employee <clears throat> knew something was up, did not think that, uh, that this was going to go in a direction that anyone was going to like, and so the uh, the head chef, uh, let's see, I believe he's the head chef at, um, uh, let me see, um, Frank Jackson is the lead cook for the entire foundation, has quit in protest, because what he sees happening, I believe, is a complete restructuring of all of the food, the, the food services there, and it sounds as though everybody that's currently working there who was told that nothing was going to change is going to be forced to reapply for their current job and possibly asked to take a lower pay. Reapply, out of market, boss, no ties to the local community. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson Foundation says things will stay the same when announcing it's going to purchase Mickey Tavern. Mm-hmm. Not even a month later, the Thomas Jefferson Foundation has passed the decision-making to a Pittsburgh-based hospitality group. Yeah. And the Pittsburgh-based hospitality group says, hey, lo and behold, everyone's job is up. You're going to reapply if you want to stay here. We may cut your pay. And yes, there are going to be changes at these three Locations, Jefferson, Monticello, and Mickey Tavern. If you didn't see this coming, you're not reading the tea leaves correctly. We'll talk about that on the I Love Seville show. Changes for established brands in this market. Ting Internet announced it's laying off 13% of its workforce. Interesting that that came, off, they, that came out with an end-of-the-week press release. End-of-the-week press release to kind of fly it under the radar Mm-hmm. of the news cycle. A lot we're going to cover on today's program. We're also going to ask you this question, ladies and gentlemen. How does social media addiction impact positively or negatively the Charlottesville market? I had this pass along to me by a handful of parents um, over the weekend. If you're not following this, you should. The libraries, Judah Wickower, at local public schools are being gutted of books and titles. 
So I want to talk about how the libraries of local public schools being essentially gutted of books and titles for the next generation to read, how that could impact the Charlottesville and Central Virginia markets. We take a macro question and tie it to the community. Selvage Brewing Company is opened on Ivy Road. We'll talk about that today. Virginia basketball, one of the hottest teams in the nation. I'm going to give you a little perspective on Virginia riding a, a, a winning streak of fantastic proportions and really climbing the ladder from an NCAA tournament invitation standpoint. And we're very excited to announce that Craig Littlepage will be the guest on the Jerry and Jerry show tomorrow at 10.15 a.m. Mr. Littlepage, the former director of athletics at the University of Virginia, he was on the selection committee at one time for the NCAA basketball tournament, and he's going to be live, in person, in studio tomorrow, 10, 15 a.m., on the Jerry and Jerry Show with Virginia Sports Hall of Famer Jerry Hootie Rackliff. Fantastic get. Jason Howard, I did see that thread. We'll get to that in a matter of moments. Uh, Jason's watching on Rio Road. All right, let's get to the topic du jour, if you may. Did I say that okay? I think so. Is that good? Sure. You like to correct my... I don't like to. I do when uh, something is wrong. The irony of the lead headline is the show is being broadcasted on social media. Yeah. So, the question. Does social media addiction positively or negatively impact the Charlottesville area, Almoral County, Central Virginia market? A lot we can unpack here. First, we want to highlight the irony again. This show airs on social media. So if there's a positive thought, perhaps it's the birth of the I Love Seville network and the network utilizing social media, wherever you get your podcasting, wherever you get your content, as a vehicle or as a publishing method to further inform the community on news, on trends, on dynamics, on comings and goings in the Central Virginia market. I think as, and I've said this many times on this program, as legacy media fails to innovate, digital and social media and the entrepreneurs that innovate and understand how to utilize social media and digital media will continue to gain market share. The daily progress is dying the death of a thousand cuts, and with inflation and, and the dollar having to be stretched as thin as quickly as possible or as far as possible, the likelihood of people paying $50 a month to subscribe to a publication that puts one or two articles out on a daily basis is becoming fewer and farther between. I also am concerned about the longevity and the life cycle of broadcast television and, and, and radio, but that's a different show topic. Clearly, we have more negative impacts of social media addiction um, than positive. And this could, in some ways, Judah, weave into our second topic of local school libraries at the public school level gutting libraries of books and titles. There was a time, I love to read, I know you love to read, there was a time when I was growing up where I very much enjoyed going to our school library or the public library. I loved sliding through the card catalog. Card catalog and library science was a legitimate skill set. Cataloging books in library science was literally someone would, some, someone would go to college for this type of education. You had a quality or talented librarian 
they not only could find you the book where it was located, they could help you research content or material for a term paper, an essay. They can help shape your essay or your term paper. And they were an invaluable resource for a student that was pursuing a 4.0 GPA or quality work to turn into teachers. Is that the case so much anymore? That's a very good question. Yeah. The, the computer cannibalizing the card catalog. Social media, cannibalizing the time utilized by students for actually reading books. When's the last time someone has read a book? When's the last time someone has gone to Amazon for a book? With the ubiquitous and approachable nature of Amazon and the instantaneous delivery of books by publishers or sellers on the internet, why even have to go to the library anymore for books? A lot I want to unpack with these, show, these two topics. Judah, why don't you lead? I'll follow. I think uh, does the question I want to know it does buying online fall into the uh, fall into the the confines of social media addiction? Ah, that's a great question. Because I don't I'm, think buying online falls into the confines of social media addiction. I think it's on the per, it's on the cusp. Okay, because one thing I've noticed, uh, at least in my own family, is. Kindle or hard copy? Audio or digital or actual tangible copied books in your family? No, are we talking about books or are we still are we talking about uh, social media addiction as well? All in the same category. So in terms of, I don't, I'm not sure, you would have to explain more about the uh, local school libraries being gutted of books. Does that mean that they're being, does that mean we're losing books because people are banning them? Does that mean we're losing books because people just aren't donating as many to the libraries or are the libraries just, you know, not having people return books and are slowly having their, their book numbers whittled away? All of the above. All of the books above. being banned, books not being reordered because participation numbers are down, hmm. damaged books not being reordered because participation down. Yeah. I would not equate it to books not being returned that were checked out. I'll take that out of the conversation. But I, I um, contributed to book banning, engagement lo- uh, numbers being low, so books are not being reordered. I would encourage many parents that are watching and listening to the show to just take a walk through their respective school libraries. Hmm. Just take a look. And see the shelves versus what you remember the shelves being. Yeah. Uh, that's a shame. I mean, yeah, you're right. Libraries are an incredible resource. Um, I don't know that school libraries do the same uh, double duty that, uh, that regional libraries do, like the one just down the street from us. But uh, they certainly play an important role as well. I mean, they're uh, in terms of resources for not just you and me, but uh, everybody. Uh, resources for homeless people um, looking, for, looking to get jobs. Uh, li- libraries and librarians can help with, obviously, computer access. They also help with, uh, I believe, the librarians um, have, have links or at least know where to, uh, to point people. Um, for various services that they may be searching for. Um, and they're just a, they're a resource that's worth 
you know, worth investing in, and especially in our schools. Uh, Can so I tell you what? Go ahead. Go ahead. So that there's, you know, when when your kid wants to look something up, yes, I know that they can go online, but uh, sometimes, sometimes there's information that uh, that is just better found in a book, and I think it would behoove us to ensure that our kids, our growing, uh, our growing children, can read. Uh, and write um, and not just be able to type in a question or maybe just skip typing the question and click a button and ask Siri to do all the work for you. One of the, speaking of the Super Bowl, one of the ads for the Super Bowl last night was at Monticello Copilot, the AI app. Did you see it? Uh, was it Monticello? So. What was it called? Monticello AI. Or, uh, uh, Microsoft. I think it was Microsoft Copilot. What am I saying, Monticello? My, uh, Microsoft Copilot. Yeah, the AI-powered chat. Did you see what that, in that 30-second spot, what Microsoft Copilot, the free app, could do? Um, it could do literally everything. Particular ad. It could do so much for you. It could do so much for you, Microsoft Copilot, for you, that the need for reading a book or even doing research online is becoming... Uh, after it's, it's becoming um, archaic, as if we are Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble utilizing our feet and legs to generate the momentum to move our vehicles throughout. Where do they live? Uh, oh, man. Uh, I'm drawing a blank right now, but it'll come to me later. Well, why don't you look it up? Okay. There's the whole point I'm making right there. What are you going to use, Microsoft Copilot to figure out where Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble <laughs> live? What's Barney's wife's name? Uh, let's see. There's, you know, it's been so long. Oh my goodness gracious! Is it Wilma? Wilma is is Fred's. Okay. Uh, Wife. Wilma. Wilma. All right. This is what I remember. I'll give you my my take on this. Neil Williamson watching the program. Neil Williamson makes a joke. I love Neil Williamson. Uh, and, and Bill McChesney says they live in bedrock, Judah. Oh, I was really hoping yeah. that Judah would look that up. Can you get Bill McChesney's photo on screen? And he says, Judah, her name is Betty. Betty. Betty Rubble. Right. Bill McChesney's photo needs to be on screen. One of the key members of this family, uh, Bill McChesney's 15 in the poll. Neil Williamson, the president of the Free Enterprise Forum, is watching the program. Neil Williamson, number 19 in the polls. Let's get his photo on screen. Neil Williamson says, gentlemen, is it the Dewey Decimal System you prefer? or the Library of Congress system you prefer. And I said Dewey Decimal System all the way, every day, and twice on Sunday. Neil Williamson, love the man Neil Williamson. This is what I remember from going to the library. Anyone who watches this show knows I have a voracious appetite for reading. My wife often feels challenged for personal one-on-one time, quality time, with me and my addiction to reading. I love to read. I grew up in a portion of my adolescence and childhood going to libraries. My brother and I both did Battle of the Books. Hmm. Do you remember what Battle of the Books was? I don't know if I ever had that. We were given a list of 20 books to read. Hmm. And of those 20 books, you had to read them and know them inside and out And then we were positioned on teams, 
and we were, we were put up, we were challenged by other schools in a competitive league on questions and trivia based on the 20 book titles we had to read every year. Along with sports, we had to do well in school, and we had to be able, we had to read. And we were quizzed by my mom, a Cuban immigrant. She also read the books to make sure what we were reading, we were retaining. She would put my brother and I on a soapbox, literally like on a pedestal or in a box, make a stand on the box at night. She would have the books that we were reading from the list of Battle of the Books and ask us questions on the books until we got the topic matter correct. There you go. I remember taking chess class and chess lessons at the library. There was a chess teacher that would take one of the public rooms in the library. A lot of people don't realize this. A lot of the libraries have many rooms that you can utilize for other activities. He would have chess lessons twice a week where we would go there, my brother and I, and learn to play chess and compete against other folks in the area in chess that were of our skill set or better. I remember pouring through Sports Illustrated at the library. Do you guys remember Sports Illustrated magazine, the Faces in the Crowd page? It was one of the early pages in the magazine where in Sports Illustrated, Faces of the Crowd, they would have little bios of four or five athletes from around the country, high school athletes often, and their accomplishments. I mm. love that portion of Sports Illustrated. I would look forward to reading the various magazines on the magazine rack at the library. I would look forward to chatting with the librarians and ask them about reading material that they thought would be provocative or engaging for me. I loved pouring through the card catalog and trying to find where the book was located by literally pulling out doors, these little doors with cards in them, and flipping through the cards to see where the book was located via the Dewey Decimal System. I remember learning the Dewey Decimal System in school from a librarian teaching us of how to use it so we can find books in this vast treasure chest of titles that we call a library. Is this being done? And if it's not being done, is it a byproduct of social media addiction and screen time? Are we birthing a generation of students that does not spend time with Battle of the Books, with chess, with perusing magazine titles? Sports Illustrated is basically bankrupt. Did you know that? No, but I'm not surprised. Basically bankrupt. Laid off majority of its staff. Magazine periodicals and afterthought, much like legacy media. And I want to take it a step further how does it impact the Charlottesville and Central Virginia market? Did so many of us watch the Super Bowl via streaming that it impacted the businesses on Main Street? Are so many of us utilizing social media and digital to order our foods that it's impacting the businesses on Main Street? Are our schools libraries being gutted because children would rather watch TikTok and Instagram and YouTube than actually go to the library and check out books? And as books deteriorate and wear and tear, are libraries not reordering books because engagement numbers are so low? 
And what are the byproducts, the collateral damage, and the fallout of this type of human behavior? As folks who like to study and assess human behavior and predict outcomes, what is the fallout of this type of human behavior? Have you been to the library on Main Street, on Market Street, excuse me, recently? Um, not in a little while. Though I How long quiet. is a little while? I mean, probably the last time you asked me to, to print something there. Um, though I walk by there every day. I've been in the Market Street library. It is a massive building. Yeah. It's got... I've Massive building. I was surprised the first time I went in there and found that there were, uh, that there were, um, uh, not escalators. An elevator. Yeah. There's a computer lab in there as well. Yeah. Monday through Friday during business hours, you will find more houseless individuals than you will actual library patrons in that regional headquarters. Yeah. I will say that again. During business hours, Monday through Friday, you will find on any given day, and I encourage you, the viewer and listener, to walk through the library on Market Street, the regional headquarters. Mm -hmm. You will find more houseless individuals or those that are killing time in between the meals at the various soup kitchens downtown than you will actual library patrons. Yeah. You concur. I'm not, yeah, I'm not surprised. I see them coming out of there. I see them going in uh, when I walk by. It's a respite from inclement weather with yep. air conditioning and computer labs, and sofas, bathrooms, and, of course, books. <laughs> They're in libraries. The regional library headquarters on Market Street is a quasi-shelter. I'm not throwing shade. Anyone who thinks I'm throwing shade, that's in your mind. I'm not throwing shade. Like How said, much longer does the regional library, is that Jefferson Madison Regional Library, is that the brand? I think so, yeah. Is that the brand? Yeah. Jefferson Madison Regional Library. How much longer does the Jefferson Regional Library head honchos say, you know what? What are we doing with these massive buildings that have ridiculous overhead? that few people patronize. We were having this conversation before the show started. And I'm gonna try to compare what I'm about to say to this, these brick buildings. Think about the concept of a library. The concept of a library is this, okay? Massive building, mm -hmm. huge overhead, electricity, air condition, lights, water, upkeep, maintenance, huge human staffing bill, human capital bill, few patrons, next to no revenue. What does that sound like to you? A charity? A, um, yeah, like a charity organization, which I, in part they are. I mean, most libraries are are run, I believe, uh, largely on, on uh, government grants. You know what it sounds like to me? The past. Yesteryear. History. 
innovation missing? Wild Wing Cafe, the Downtown Grill. That's what it sounds like to me. Okay. The Downtown Grill and Wild Wing Cafe closed. Huge buildings, massive staff, not innovating to this year. We were having this conversation with church before the show started, right? Yeah. What's the 2025, 2026, 2027, 2028, and beyond version of church looks like? Does that version of church look, look like us getting in our best suits, waking up early on Sunday morning, getting in the family minivan, driving 20 minutes one way to church, parking in a large parking lot, getting out of the family minivan in our Sunday suits and our Sunday dresses, walking into a church, sitting in pews next to strangers, passing around a collection plate where people put paper money and coins into it, listening for an hour as somebody you don't really know mentions things, teachings, readings, and inspiration to you on a stage behind a, behind a what do you call those things you stand in front of? Lectern? Uh, podium. Lectern, podium. Yeah, yeah. Is that the 2030 version of what church is going to be? You're have probably we gotten, asking the wrong person because I know the person that's behind the podium at my church. Have we gotten to the point where we are such an instantaneous society and expecting immediate gratification that we will see libraries fall by the wayside, wearing your Sunday dress and your Sunday bonnets and your Sunday suits and your Sunday ties to put paper money and coins that jingle in your pocket and a gold plate that's passed from pew to pew, aisle to aisle, row to row, sitting amongst strangers while your glazed eyes over watching a preacher sit behind a lectern or stand behind a podium and tell you about things that you're really not sure what he or she are talking about? Is that the future? Is a headquarters on Market Street that has more houseless individuals than actual patrons the future? Is a steakhouse that's set up in a 1970s style 5,000, 6,000 square foot dining rooms or a three-level burger and wing joint with so much overhead and so much staffing needs that they could survive or pivot quickly during a pandemic, the future? And are these all the collateral damage of America, of Virginia, of Central Virginia, of Albemarle, and the city of Charlottesville expecting instantaneous gratification and or the cause and effect of social media and digital media addiction. Serious questions for you. And what happens when kids go to the school library and they don't see any titles anymore or titles that inspire them or librarians that can capture the joy of reading and convey it to their students? They're not going to come back with the same zest. Yeah. And if they don't come back with the same zest, what's going to happen? 
Rob Neal watching the program. Let's get his photos on screen. He says, Faces, Faces in the Crowd was a must-read from Sports Illustrated. I love Faces in the Crowd. Number 29 in the power polls. Mike Buchensky watching the program. Coach B. He says, absolutely. Jason Howard watching the program. Jason Howard, what's his ranking here? Jason is 26 in the family. Get his photo on screen. Did you do book it with Pizza Hut with your school? Knock down the books and the chapters, get the cheese and the carbs for free back at your local Pizza Hut? Absolutely, we did, Jason Howard. When they were still a sit-down restaurant with those red cups, the couple of arcade games, and those unique stained glass lamps over the tables, those were good times. You know what I remember That's of Pizza Hut? like the Sharkies in, uh, in Los Angeles when I was a kid. You know what I remember of Pizza Hut? The buffet. Hmm. We used to go there as kids. You'd have this big buffet where you can get some deep dish pizzas with various toppings on a plate. You'd bring it back to your table, a red plaid tablecloth on top of the table, like he's talking about those stained glass lamps above the table. You'd play the Pac-Man tabletop video game, where you'd go and wait in line for the tabletop Pac-Man video game, and there would still be pizza grease from the previous participant playing on the joystick. I'd grab the joystick, I'd be like, ah, there's still grease on there from Leslie, who just played. Leslie went to Jack Jewett Middle School. I just saw her get a high score on the Pac-Man tabletop, and I'm going to beat Leslie in what she just did. But before I do, after grabbing this joystick, I'm going to rub this pizza grease on my shirt. That's nice. Love Pizza Hut. Rob Neal says the, the library off Rio Road next to the Daily Progress is a better option. All right, I take our kids there frequently. You're going to hear it here first on the I Love Seville Network. Just a matter of time before the Jefferson Madison Regional Library says, what are we doing with this library on Market Street? You know why it's a shelter in a lot of ways? You know why. Why is that a shelter in a lot of ways for the houseless? I mean, that, like I said, that's kind of part of their purpose. The library, part of the purpose is to be a shelter for the houseless? That's not, a unique... I, I didn't read that in the mission statement. Not in the way you're talking about, but like I said, they, they do provide services that extend to the houseless population. So it's not, uh, it's not surprising to find, find people in there. <laughs> Neil Williamson, that was so funny. Neil Williamson says, did Jerry choose his shirt in honor of Pizza Hut? <laughs> there you go. Nice uh, check tablecloth. The mission for the Jefferson Mad Madison Regional Library headquarters is not to be a shelter for the houseless. The right. Jefferson Madison Regional Library Board of Directors and the shot callers would prefer that their headquarters be a bastion or an epicenter of kids and, 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 and parents and taxpayers and citizens going into the library, checking out books, reading books, reading magazines, reading newspapers, leaving, coming back, leaving. They never intended for it to be an 8 to 6.30 shelter on the downtown mall that was patronized by individuals that are focused on soup kitchens that provide breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week, needing a place to stay. 
And I'll catch grief for that. But that's a fact. I want you guys, before we go to the next topic, to walk through your school library, your kids' school library. Just take a look. I heard this from a number of public school parents. And we need to ask ourselves what the cause and effect of this is going to be. I'll get to more comments here. This is from John Blair. Can you get his photo on screen, please? Jerry, my single biggest fear of the social media trend is this. Massive, incomprehensible inequality in 10 to 15 years. Ask any teacher, and I know quite a few, and they will tell you that they can quickly pick out the kids whose parents regulate screen time and those who do not. I am not a neurologist, but in talking with teachers, they talk about how the gap in attention spans and critical thinking is turning into the Grand Canyon between regulated and unregulated screen time kids. Library usage is a good measure. How many high school seniors can even read a full novel any longer? Most high school teachers I know will tell you less than a third. If you don't think we're about to see massive economic inequality in the future, you're not paying attention. Bingo. Perfectly said, John Blair. And to put this in perspective, Deep Throat, who has two boys, I'm not speaking out of turn, he's mentioned that on the talk show in the past, says the library at St. Anne's Belfield Academy is absolutely fantastic for what it's worth. Nice. That goes to John Blair's point of inequality. Ginny Hu watching on Twitter. The Jefferson Madison Regional Library often does not have the books our family needs. Hmm. We have better luck at used bookstores, and after that we order online. Grayson watching the program. Our school library is, in fact, rather depleted with titles and books. We prioritize reading in our household, and if it's a book that we need to read, we order on Amazon for better or worse. Carol Thorpe, in my opinion, the gutting of libraries and the death of printed books will be the death of free societies and truth. If and when the day arrives that all information is 100% digital, we will be at the mercy of whoever is in power to control, edit, and distort content. Without hard copy proof to verify the original material, everything from historical facts to scientific evidence to institutional record can be wiped out and rewritten with the click of a keyboard. Children in every generation must be taught the value of printed books, along with both the power and joy of holding a real book in their hands to read. Amen. Carol no Thorpe's doubt. photo on screen. Ginny Hu's photo on screen. We know Facebook, which is the top distributor and publisher of media content, has distorted in the past, or throttled in the past, media content that they didn't want the world to see. I don't think there are a whole lot of uh, social media platforms that haven't done that. Right. And that's Carol's point. Mm -hmm. So if 
Gen Z and Gen Alpha and young millennials are relying on the news feeds of social media apps to get their knowledge and their learning because they're not going to books, to libraries for books, or utilizing card catalogs, librarians, and the Dewey Decimal System. What happens if the apps start throttling what they read and see? Or Wikipedia, going to Wikipedia for all your information, where it's essentially, I mean, it's, it's a, a fairly good system, and I think they do a good job of policing what gets put in into... Uh, uh, Wikipedia pages, but at the same time, you are free to go in and edit the information there. You're afraid to edit on Wikipedia? You, you're free oh. to go okay, in. Okay, I, I misunderstood you. I apologize. Anybody is free to go in and, and edit the information. So it really is, I mean, it's, it can be a good resource, but without, without something written in a, not that not that all books are are the honest-to-goodness truth. But uh, if you trust the source in a book, you at least know what the source is. With, uh, with a website, with a Wikipedia page, there may be some attribution, but oftentimes you're, you, know, you just have to put your faith that, uh, that the information is correct. Lisa Kuslow, Brian Marshall Barnes watching the program. Mike Buchensky, we need to get Mike Buchensky, Coach B, on the power poll. He's entering the power pool at number 37. 37. I love Seville.com forward slash viewer rankings. Coach B, a key member of this family, 37 in the power pool. He says, we are reminiscing about things our parents used to reminisce about. Walking to the movie theater, playing ball with your friends, etc. Everything is different now. Libraries are phased out, replaced by Kindle and Amazon. This is not the Wonder Years life Completely different than what we experience as kids. The new world is online TikTok with hours spent watching mindless content. Kids and adults do this. Yeah. Terrifying. Lisa Cuslow. Northside Library is large, but mostly patrons visiting. The downtown location is situated where many houseless already are. She's exactly right. Get her photo on screen. Maria Marshall Barnes watching the program, 32 in the power poll. I feel that schools have gotten away from encouraging kids to read. We had teachers that seemed passionate about reading. When kids start kindergarten, they are given a laptop, and all learning is computer-based. That's part of it. Well said, Maria Marshall Barnes. Thank you for watching the show. The concept of giving kids screen time in schools baffles me. Yeah. That baffles me. They're... Uh inundated and drowning with screen time outside of school, I would love a screen time reprieve. No doubt. And I think and there are other skills that they need to learn that uh, require them to put the floofing phone down or the, you know, put the iPad down for five minutes. Janice Boyce Trevelyan watching the program. She says her church is different than that. It's fellowship and they offer an online dress casual environment. One of the reasons the point on Pantops, one of the reasons the point on Pantops has had so much success, the church, is because it's innovated its content and its experience. Hmm. Have you been to the point? No. It's innovated. How so? More casual, more approachable, more contemporary music, contemporary content, less ritualistic. There are a lot of churches like that. My church is, I believe, 
I don't have any... Um, all I have is what you've said about the point, but my church sounds similar to that. It's uh, We're not singing, you know, all 300-year-old hymns, and most people aren't coming to church wearing suits and ties, and we all know each other. Mike Buczewski says, so what is the solution? You know what we do at our house? Our oldest is in kindergarten. We read multiple books to him every night. I put down, or my wife puts down, our 14 or 15-month-old, we read him a book, even though he has no idea what we're doing, while sitting in the rocking chair in his room. Mm-hmm. I read him Gosling and the Red Boots this morning. It's a little duck mm-hmm. that likes to walk around with red boots on. Gosling. All right. I think the solution is the limitation of screen time. Easier said than done, I know. Yeah. You know what my son said he wanted for his birthday? More screen time. And a Nintendo Switch. You know what I said to him? Start, no. Start saving. No. Because <laughs> it's not my job to be his best friend. It's my job to be his dad. I said no. You're not getting a Nintendo Switch. A couple other topics we need to get to. One shot me if you could. Buchensky says the solution is reconnecting with God. I would suggest getting priests or pastors on the program to discuss how to bring people back from the digital world to God. I think a large portion of society is turned away from God. Judah set the stage about Monticello, Mickey Tavern, and Jefferson Vineyards. The Thomas Jefferson Foundation, which is the nonprofit organization that runs Monticello, Jefferson Vineyards, and and, uh, Mickey Tavern, they recently purchased Mickey Tavern, has outsourced the food and beverage and hospitality aspects of the three brands, Monticello, Mickey Tavern, and Jefferson Vineyards, to a Pittsburgh-based company. And the Pittsburgh-based company is basically, is, do we want to even say the phrase trimming the fat? That's Trying to operate more efficiently? That's probably what they'd call it. I mean, it's, what, what else is going to happen when you bring someone from out of state? They have no... They're no, incentivized by fattening the margin. And probably have incentives built in their management contract on revenue goals, profit goals. Quite possibly. And how are you going to do that besides trimming payroll and letting people go and managing cost of goods? You're going to have the same customers show up. They know how many customers are going to show up. They got decades of empirical data. If they have decades of empirical data on people through turnstiles, how else are they going to make models more efficient? Cut pay, let people go, and manage cost of goods more efficiently. I mean, we're seeing it all over the place. Business 101. We saw it with Ting. Deep Throat's got their stock chart on screen. It's in the DMs on Twitter. He says this. Tell me when you put the stock chart on screen. He says, Ting is owned by 
Two cows? T-U-C-O-W-S. Two cows? Two cows? Is that a... T-U-C-O-W-S. T-U-C-O-W-S. Just put the stock chart on screen if you could. Thank you. Check out their stock chart. Definitely needs to change something. They've lost money for every one of the last six quarters. The fiber segment had negative earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation over the last f- over the, of over 50 million in 2023. You got their stock chart up? When you have A negative earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization of $50 million in 2023. You got a little issue. You got the stock chart on there? Just about. As a result, they laid off 13% of their workforce. It's happening everywhere really impacting big tech. Ting's a Charlottesville-based company. They provide fantastic internet service, by the way. They're the internet service of the I Love Seville network. They, they were fabulous to work with. And I don't want anyone to lose their job. Give me a thumbs up when that's on screen. Dave Varell in the Outer Banks, so true with that meme you just sent me. One shot me if you could, so I could see the rest of the headlines, please. Tell me when that's on screen. Are we on a one? All right. Thank you. Salvage Brewery is now open on Ivy Road. The brewery goes from Woolen Mills to Ivy Road and Bel Air Place. Hunter Craig's shopping center that he revitalized across from the Borsad. It is now open on Ivy Road. Selvage Brewery takes over the coffee roastery of Grit Coffee. Grit Coffee and Selvage are sister companies. Same owners. Selvage went from the wool factory in Woolen Mills to Bel Air Place on Ivy Road because the wool factory was so popular for private events, for wedding-related private events, that they were closing Selvage often on the weekends for these private events. And they said, you know what, let's give Selvage a chance for a full run of business. And now they have it on Ivy Road. We were the first to report this news to you. You're looking at an elevated sports bar with fantastic beer and approachable food and Beller Place across from the Borshead. It's going to crush it and be extremely popular there. Their former brewery on I, in, in the Wool Factory is now going to have even more availability for weddings and events and private, and private parties. I found this as a positive thing. First, I'll get this out of the news, uh, out of the way. Craig Littlepage, the former director of athletics, will join me and Jerry Ratcliffe on the Jerry and Jerry Show tomorrow at 10, 15 a.m. The Jerry and Jerry Show has been extremely popular. 10, 15 a.m. tomorrow, Craig Littlepage in the house, live and in the flesh, in this studio. 
The Virginia basketball team is red hot. And three weeks ago, people were calling for Tony Bennett's head. Now, three weeks ago, people love Tony Bennett again. They're in the NCAA tournament. Never question Tony Bennett. The man's name should be on the court at the John Paul Jones Arena. This team looks like a completely different team in less than a month. I want your pick for the best Super Bowl commercial. Did you get the stock chart up? Uh, no, but I can. Can you please put it up? Here's the sting. The, this is from Deep Throat. The, the Ting stock chart. That ain't pretty. There it is. Good Lord. This is a five-year chart from February 18, 2019 to February 12, 2024. It went from a high of 90 plus, 91.18. God, you even set this up for me, Deep Throat. Nicely done. 91.18 on November 5th, 2021 to a low of $16.69. Good Lord. In October of 2023, so what, three, four months ago? That ain't a pretty chart, Judah. No. That's not a pretty chart. Let's close with the Super Bowl. Your favorite Super right, First, I'm impressed that you watched the Super Bowl. I didn't think you were while well, I was eating chicken wings and uh, having some buffalo chicken dip. I'm paying for the buffalo chicken dip that I uh, gorged on last night, this morning in the afternoon, and I'll leave it at that. Um, what was, your, what was your favorite aspect of the Super Bowl? Um, I have a clear-cut favorite aspect. I think when I watch the Super Bowl, one thing that I want is to see a, uh, a, tight, a tight game. I don't want, like, you know, 37 to 3, and there's really no point. You know, everybody's leaving. You got a tight game. Yeah, definitely okay. got a tight game. I appreciate that. I, I like it. I like a, a good competition, and seeing one team dominate another is, just doesn't, doesn't entice me at all. Who's your favorite commercial? Uh, if I could go back and watch them all again, um, I don't remember them all, but uh, I thought the one with, the, with uh, Michael Sarah. Yeah, the was, uh, facial cream? Yeah, was pretty hilarious. I, I enjoyed that one. Uh, but there were, there were a lot of good ones, and there were a lot of crap ones, too. My favorite commercial was Tom Brady, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Jennifer Lopez with the Dunn Kings. I'd forgotten that one. That when one was... Tom Brady was in the back working the DJ turnstile and pumping his fist and hand in the air going, Dunn Kings, while Affleck was rapping in his orange and pink jumpsuit, I was laughing my ass off on the floor. And, Jennifer Lopez absolutely and, and, appalled behind the glass. It was hilarious. Matt Damon saying, what an H-E double hockey sticks am I doing right here? It was hilarious. Hilarious. Matt Damon's comments really, really made it. Don King's clear-cut best commercial for me. The Super Bowl, all that and more. Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. Now all we need to do is see them... Love, cuff, and make some babies, and America will be happy. All right, then. It's the Monday edition for the I Love Seville Show. For Judah Wickhauer, my name is Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us. So long, everybody.